When looking at the Steelers draft class and their new free agency class and how they've reshaped the offense, what kind of pressure does that put on Matt Canada? We'll talk about the Steelers offensive coordinator and Kenny Pickett and the development that needs to happen on this offense and what expectations are realistic for this upcoming season. All that and more here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined today by Jeff Hathorn of 93.7 The Fan. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show on your favorite podcasting app and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every, every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash today. To get started, as I said before, we're joined by Jeff Hathorn returning to the show from 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, we're both kind of in that that stage where we're happy that the draft's over so that we can finally right. stop just talking about 300 different players that we just looked up over the past few months. But now we're settling in here and we can see not just in the draft, but in free agency, they added Isaac Samalo on the offense. They added, you know, guys like Nate Herbig, the brother of the guy they drafted in Nick Herbig to the offensive line. And then they drafted Darnell Washington and brought Broderick Jones. And it's clear, you know, they didn't make an overhaul to the offense, but they added some key pieces to, I think, where some of their weakest spots were, being that on the left side of the offensive line and adding another, another threat who can be a pass catcher, but also be a run blocker. What is the what is the kind of the threshold that you need to see from this Steelers offense to justify Matt Canada's future with the organization? Cause this will be his third season as an offensive coordinator, fourth with the team because as he was a quarterback's coach before that. And this will be his chance to kind of, in my opinion, show, Hey, this is what my offense can actually look like. Not with a rookie quarterback or an old quarterback or an offensive line that's in a complete, you know, overall. Yeah. I think for times last year, you know, six or three was better than none. Now yeah. six has to be better than three. Uh, I want to see. Uh, Got to see some more scoring. Got to see some more touchdowns. And right. listen, I, I know you know pressure on Matt Canada. The fans love Matt Canada. I mean, <laughs> they love them some Matt Canada. Of course. If, if if they didn't have Matt Canada, who would they complain about? I mean, <laughs> he is the guy, the focal point. The poster, you know how you say face yes. of the franchise? Mm-hmm. He is the face of the internet for Steeler fans. <laughs> um, but he, but in all seriousness, he does. I mean, he's got – now the excuses have dwindled down to hardly any. And, you know, he's got a legit offensive line. He's got a running back in his third year, quarterback in his second year. Maybe he, you could say he could have a little bit more on the receiving core, but he's got a tight end room that's really intriguing – yeah, and he also has guys, you know, like a Connor Hayward that can do different things. We saw that at the end of last year where he was floating into a, a hybrid role. So I think he can be a little bit creative with some of the players. And Calvin Austin is a guy, you know, if you watch the 2016 pit season, he's got a little Quadri Henderson in him and his <laughs> speed, his size. And I mean, this is an opportunity. This, this offense should be right up Matt Canada's wheelhouse. And the other thing, Chris, is, 
I think they go in because of what they did at the end of last year and the identity of the players they brought in to have that run first mentality that I think they lack coming out of camp last year. No, I agree with that actually, because one thing that Matt Canada's offense is is supposed to be based off of it is making running the ball in places that are going to catch you off guard, like the jet sweeps and people get mad about the jet sweep because they see them. But a lot of times they didn't work because they didn't have the offensive line to hold up at the right spots. The entire, one of the things that Matt, Matt, Matt Canada does when he's in his best element. And that was, you know, we, I think still looking back to that pit season where he coached them is schematically, he would stretch you out horizontally. He forced you to honor every gap. And then he would try to get the, get the ball to a playmaker in a gap that he felt was was your weakest, and that was where Quadri Allison, or, or, or excuse me, Quadri Henderson, different Quadri uh, for Pitt, uh, but Quadri Henderson was able to get get some big points, and that helped him get to the NFL where he played a little bit of preseason ball and training camp with the Steelers. But you're right, this is something that needs to happen now, and I think the the old the, the other teams that the, that he's worked with at the Steelers, whether it was Kendrick Green at center or you had Dan Moore Jr. at, at left tackle, Kevin Dotson at left guard, and they were fine. They were fine. They held up, but they needed a stronger offensive line to truly yes. run this scheme because they weren't a passing yes. team. As much as people get on him for passing concepts, there were plenty of plays. Both Ben Roethlisberger and Kenny Pickett were leaving out there. One because Ben was old and kind of on those last legs, and two because Kenny's getting up to speed with the NFL, and that's a lot harder than people make it out to be. But this year, Kenny Pickett should be sharper. Kenny Pickett should be should be able to see a lot more and, de- and deliver deliver a lot more. And with an offense that's used to him now, because remember he wasn't even taking first team reps in training camp last year. That was Mitch. That was Mitch Trubisky. You're going to see Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Najee Harris, Pat Fryer, with all those guys are going to be more in tune with Kenny Pickett. So to me, I'm right with you. Like last year, the Steelers' offense finished 26 in, in points and points scored, 23rd in in yards uh, yards moved. Um, and that was, you know, not good at all, but I, I think this year they need to be in the mid teens to upper teens. They need to be able to get anywhere from 16 to, to, to like 13, 12, 11. They don't need to be top 10, but if this offense comes out and is able to put more points to the board, have, have more games where they're 20, 21 plus in scoring 20, you know, 23 plus in scoring, it's going to allow for the defense, which I still think will be a really top notch unit to command games and them to actually give them leads to protect, which didn't happen, happen that often last season. And Chris, I don't think that's a lot of what ifs, like if this, this, and this, then the Steelers can be, you know, top 12 in the league. I I don't think that's the case at all. I think their expectations should be 12 top 12 in the league because, you know, you would see those jet sweeps work with other teams. You go, wow, Andy Reid, he's a genius. Well, right. Yeah. When you have a bigger fear of the quarterback and your offensive line is getting pushed, well, when your offensive line is getting pushed back and that guy comes across, you know, right behind it, that play's not going to work. Inside handoffs aren't going to work. I think the other thing they realize, too, is let's not have Najee think too much. Like, yeah. let's just put him in a situation where hit the hole. Because mm-hmm. I think at times he was he was dancing a little at the line of scrimmage, and it's just like, you know what? We're going to have you hit that hole. They built that identity. I think that offensive line improved, and it should just, you know, it should take another step this year. Uh you know, it's it's hard to be fair to Matt Canada because we all see things that we don't like. Right. But to to truly give him a chance, this is his best opportunity. And I can see why the team decided, all right, if it doesn't work this year, he's out. And you might say, well, you're sitting back another year. But 
if you truly believe you brought him in because he can do these things, well, now he's got the players where he should be able to do some things with. Uh, let's see that growth. I agree. And that that's why I asked this question, because I do I do think a good bit of, you know, what there's 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 legitimate. And I've brought it up here over the past couple of years. There's been legitimate concerns and arguments where I'd say, like, you know what, like, hey, um, you know, this Matt Canada hasn't isn't working with this superstar offense that people just want it to be, whether it was Ben Roethlisberger or Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett the last couple of years. There's been a lot of development that's had to be done. And there's been a lot of mistakes too. make no mistake. Like, you know, there's been some times where I'm scratching my head at some of the play calls or sometimes where I feel like, man, there needs to be some there needs to be some identity to this offense. And they sort of found one to the end and la- towards the end of last year, as far as a group that could run, run, you know, ground and pound in the last month of the season and then you'll rely on Kenny Pickett to make a big play at the end of the game uh, as long as the defense was holding up. And, you know, that that worked for them, but they need to have a real identity this year. And I want to talk with you more about what that identity can be with the personnel that they've added. We'll get to all that in just a minute here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. But first, before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at FanDuel with the NBA playoffs on fire right now. There's no better place to get on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first first bet doesn't win just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up today and claim your no sweat first bet on how and bet on anything from how many three pointers Steph Curry is going to make how many points LeBron James or Jimmy Butler are going to score there's so many different ways to play you can do it on an app that's safe secure and super easy to use don't miss out on your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today again go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Jeff Hathorne of 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, we talked a bit about Matt Canada, but we also need to talk about Kenny Pickett because he's not, uh, you know, he's not excluded from you know, needing to see success there. And the Steelers, you know, they need to see their quarterback take steps forward. Last year, he finished seven and five as a starter, seven touchdowns, nine interceptions. Uh, and, you know, not to not to that's that, not to just point those numbers out and say, oh, that was just what he was. He was a rookie that was obviously going through things. Uh, you know, he, you know, collected you know, passer rating on the year was a 76, 76.7, you know, didn't have too many games where he was throwing for over 200 yards. Um and in in ways that were helping the team um and some of the best games that they had were games where he wasn't doing you know uh, you know too too much where he was where he was kind of just making the necessary plays here and there but this year we need to see an expansion of Kenny Pickett we need to see him start to hit hit, hit passes deeper down the field creating big plays and actually add some explosiveness to this offense and explosiveness, of course, not just his ability to run the ball or anything, but him to get the ball to the, to the best playmakers that they've aligned all around this offense. You know, it's interesting. I was, I was thinking while you were reading your FanDuel ad about Steph and it said, imagine if a coach said like, Hey, don't make any mistakes, Steph. Right. That's all I want from you today. Just don't make a mistake. Like you have a different mindset. Even if you're an all time great, you're thinking, wait, what? I, I go and make plays. I think finally towards the end of the year, they allowed Kenny to make some plays because the whole whole time, all you heard from Mike Tomlin last year is, 
Offense don't make a mistake. Defense mm-hmm. will keep us in a game. We'll try to win it in the end. And I think we started to see some more maturity, and I would hope that it would be a less let's not fail as opposed to let's go win it. You know, they've added all these aggressive guys. Let's get Kenny more aggressive. Let him make some plays down the field. You know, that first half that he played when he came into the Jets game, he threw three picks. He was probably over over aggressive, which probably pulled the reins back from Mike Tomlin even more. Mm-hmm. Let him play. He's a, he's a smart guy. We saw him as he settled into that pit system that he made good decisions. He didn't throw a lot of careless balls. Take some chances. If you want to see results, you got to take chances. And uh, when Kenny gets that opportunity, he's got to make smart decisions. He's got to make mistakes, uh, but he's got to make good decisions. And, I, you know, he's working, I know, in Florida with some of these receivers. Hopefully, George Pickens takes a step. Allen Robinson's intriguing to me. Yeah. You know, he's guys got experience. And, you know, we saw it, Chris, last year. Anthony Miller was having a really good camp before he, he was. got hurt. And, and these are two guys in Robinson and Miller that, you know, with the Bears had thousand yard seasons. So it's not devoid of talent, um, but there's some work that has to be done. And yeah, I'll put that on Kenny. Um, yeah, Matt Canada has a, has a lot of it, but Kenny's got to be able to make those throws and be comfortable with those guys. I also think part of it with uh, some of the plays that they were allowed to to make or, you know, limiting what they could do also pertain to the offensive line and the lack of protection that they had at some time. I mean, Kenny Pickett went out with two head injuries, you know, one that was officially a concussion, one that was thought to be a concussion that we weren't sure then he was back. So it was like, whatever. But still, <laughs> you can't afford to him take those kind of injuries uh, too many, too many more times, especially early in his career. Otherwise, his career is going to be over. So. You need, you need to protect him, and I think that they've their investment into the offensive line, the guy backup guys in the interior, you know, uh, what you what you hope is a new starter in Broderick Jones at left tackle, a hope is a right. new starter in Isaac Samalo, and now you could be at a position where your offensive line can protect and give Kenny Pickett, you know, six seven seconds in the pocket to make a decision and use his eyes and, and and work the field because he didn't have that all the time last year. In fact, he had to create a, a few plays quite a few times. And I, I love the fact that you talk about those guys, and I'm sure that that's going to be the left side of the line. But you know what? If if Mason Cole or uh, James Daniels isn't performing up to the way they should be, probably less with Daniels, more with Cole, although he's developed a relationship with Pickett, you got to know that Dotson's hungry. Yeah. You got to know that Herbig wants to play, and we, we've seen that attitude from him. And then there's going to be a battle on that right side. And if, you know, if Chooks wins it, Dan Moore is not going to give up. So if Chooks isn't playing well, like they have options now on that line. It's not throwing a guy in Kendrick Green who should never have been your starting center because you didn't have other options. Um, you have options on that O-line, and that that should make this team so much better. You're right. Competition makes for better players because when guys know that my job's on the line every week because this guy's pushing me, it it, it can it puts pressure on them to be better, and they can either rise to that challenge or fall to the wayside, and someone else steps up there. And I think that's something that Mike Tomlin has talked about is like is having that kind of that that kind of competition there. But Kenny Pickett also on top of being able to make plays, he also needs to be the leader. We've seen him take on some leadership roles this offseason and leading the workouts and make getting getting things done. And we saw him on, you know, the pivot last week talking about how he wants to be different this year and how he wants to keep building, you know, on on top of the work that he's been putting together. But now on top of that, he has to set the tone I think for this offense and that's not something that's just easy to do. 
Like I, I think I don't think people understand that. Like you know, the Steelers next year or this upcoming season, you know, there's they're gonna there's gonna be people looking for a face that defines this team. Now, T.J. Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, they define the defense, and Kenny Pickett is you know is is kind of known to be the future, but he now he needs to put some play behind it and to kind of be the guy that captures the. Uh, I guess the chutzpah of the of the other guys in the locker room that says, "Hey, we get behind our quarterback when he goes to battle." The same way he did at Pitt, and to me, that was one of the biggest factors that made him were, uh, worthy of a first round pick was he knew how to lead on and off right. the field. I think you know we we discussed this last year, and I think this even more. And I, I said it last year. I think Mike Tomlin did pick it a solid by the way he handled him. Mm-hmm. He started third team, worked his way into second team by what he did in training camp and then eventually became the starter. Nothing was handed to him. The players got to see him practice like, oh, this kid's pretty good. Or, oh, this kid's leading. And how Kenny then handled it. He didn't pout. He didn't whine. He just kept working, kept working, kept working. And his opportunity came. His opportunity didn't come because, oh, he's a first-round pick and they just told him it's his offense. No, the players saw how he had to work his way. He was given nothing. I think that is such a huge thing in developing a leader. And, you know, there are times, listen, we all criticize Mike Tomlin, sometimes wisely so, but I think most times he steps in a room, at least especially one that I'm in, he's the smartest guy in the room. Like he knows what the hell he's doing. Yes. And he was setting Pickett up to gain that leadership, to gain that trust of his guys by putting him third string. It would have been easy to, to kowtow to all the people outside of like, oh, mm-hmm. he's the hometown kid and bring him in and make him start. No, he, he did him a solid for how he was respected in that room. And I think those players get in line behind him. I think so too. I think the other thing that we that we look at it is, you know, spreading the ball around and knowing who to hit and where. One thing that I, and I said this a bunch, the best thing that he did at Pitt on top of his leadership was knowing where to go with the football. There were so many times in Mark Whipple's offense that, you know, a play would snap and he would know where he was going. He read the field and, you know, he was, and he would also know how defenses were trying to counter him. He would look, he would say, they were, this, the safeties were trying to do this, this to take this away. So I went here. The Steelers need a quarterback who can be that kind of a commander on the field. He doesn't need to be, you know, Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes elite with that. He just needs to be able to take what's in front of him and they and they start building from there because that's something that didn't happen too often last year. We saw plenty of plays where guys were streaking down the middle part of the field. Guys are open in different parts, and it took the time for him to kind of see things and, and watch things play out. But again, we saw him improve from the interceptions he threw early in the season to the touchdowns he was throwing late in the season. And that's going to be, to me, be a huge part of this is how quickly does he bring efficiency to this offense, finding ways? Because it's not just about getting the ball to Pickens. It's not just about getting the ball to Fryermuth or Darnell Washington or Deontay Johnson or whoever. It's about making sure you're moving the chains as best you can. And I think the Steelers have a diverse set of weapons around him to make that happening on top of this offensive line we see has improved. And Chris, I think there's no coincidence that you saw Gavin Bartholomew at Pitt have a monster rookie season. Who was his quarterback? Who found him? Who saw him as a a release, as a safe option? And then you you barely saw Bartholomew with a lesser quarterback last year. And Friermuth started to get that thing with the Steelers. He's finding those guys. Connor Hayward caught a couple of key passes towards the end of the year. Like He's finding those guys. And I think what he learned from Ben, or and I, I do believe this, I mean, I don't think Ben is a nurturing mentor, but I'm sure he shared some things. And one of the things that Ben did really well was, yeah, there were times he would 
force it to AB, but AB was the best receiver on the planet. Uh, but he would find the open guys. Like his mm-hmm. best games were when you'd see six, seven, eight guys catching footballs because they were the ones that were open. I think Kenny has a similar trait, and I, I think you saw him working through his progressions. And back to that old old line talk, if he's got time, he can look through his progressions and find those open guys. I agree entirely. And that part of Ben Roethlisberger, the spreading the ball around, that wasn't something that he really showed until I'd say like the mid-2010s when he was able to. Because there were times where like he would have decent games here and there, but it felt like, especially early on, it was a lot of San Antonio Holmes, a lot of Heath Miller, a lot of Heinz Ward and getting things done like that. But then in the 2010s, especially in Todd Haley's offense, then he knew, hey, kick it to Le'Veon Bell. Matt Spate, Marcus Wheaton, just right. all sorts of guys that he would get the ball to. And I thought that was when Ben Roethlisberger started to switch up his game for the better uh, for, the, for the Steelers offense. And it's going to be key for Kenny Pickett to make that a part of his earlier part of his game because he doesn't have the overwhelming size that Ben Roethlisberger you know, had. He doesn't have the super cannon of an arm that Ben Roethlisberger had. Now, I do say he's probably more athletic than Ben was. He'll probably get out a little bit more um, than, than Ben. But... I think that Kenny Pickett, he knows that he has to do these extra things, and that's something why he's studying so much, why he's working so much during the offseason, to be ready for that moment. We'll talk more about other people that are going to contribute to what this new-look Steelers team is going to look like in just a minute here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Chris Carter and Jeff Hathorne talking about your Pittsburgh Steelers. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Jeff Hathorne from 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, got a question for you here. What or who do you think are the biggest contributors that we see that are going to be new to the Steelers offense this year? We'll get to defense in a little bit, but specifically the Steelers offense of new guys added to the roster who are going to be the biggest difference makers that we feel this year? Is it going to be Broderick Jones? Is that that simple of an answer? Or is it Isaac Samalo? Or is Darnell Washington a, 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 a bigger piece than people have made him out to be uh, as a third-round pick? Yeah, I think that whole left side of the offensive line is is different. And, and so you're going to see all, all different kinds of snaps because you're going to see Samalo and Broderick Jones on that left side. So those are guys that you hope are going to be playing down in, down out. You know, Allen Robinson is a guy I mentioned earlier. He's intriguing to this group. He's looking to kind of show like, hey, man, I I can still play this game. And I love guys that have that type of incentive, you know, kind of like prove it type mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think Robinson comes comes in with that. Washington's really intriguing. Same. Chris, I know you looked at tape. I've looked at tape of him. He's a pretty good pass catcher. Like, yeah. He had 50 targets, caught 45 of the 50 passes thrown his way. And mm-hmm. you watch him work the middle of the field. Like, he's not lumbering. Like, he oh. almost reminds me of Eric Green, but bigger. You remember Eric Green from the, you know, 80s and 90s? Like, he would get down that field and, you know, Cope would call him the big bird going down the middle of the field. <laughs> Listen. This guy's got some hands. He's got some athletic ability. He loves to block. And you know what? If he's able to do some things as your sixth tackle and and be a receiving threat, well, you could push Fryermuth out. If these, you know, if you're not getting consistency you like from that from that wide receiver group, you could push him out a little bit, and uh, you could have some fun with this offense. No, I, I agree. You could have a lot of fun with this offense, and that's also why I was asking because. 
with Darnell Washington being there, especially if he's able to take the spot off of Zach Gentry, because I think just like Kenny Pickett and, and just like Najee Harris was, you know, before he took over the, tar- the starting spot, these guys are going to come into training camp and they're not going to be the starters right away. They're going to be people are going to see on like the first time that they line up and, you know, no pads and running, running 11 on 11s, just kind of like running, doing walkthroughs and things. And when Broderick Jones isn't the, the guy with the ones, everyone's going to be, oh, my God, why isn't Broderick <laughs> Jones starting right now? This is a bust of a draft pick. It, I mean, I said this with Alan Saunders. I said, yes. again, it's coming. That's going to happen. But then eventually he will take the left, the left tackle spot. And I think the same thing will go for Darnell Washington with Zach Gentry and maybe even a little bit more if it takes Darnell Washington some time to, to learn all the things that they're asking for him. But to your point, when talking about um, when, when, when talking about uh, Dar- Darnell Washington, this is a guy who only had two drops last year. This is the guy who you know was able to catch. You, you talk about 43 targets and him catch him catching a lot of them, you know, getting two touchdowns. He's able to make guys miss. He hurdles defenders. He runs through defenders. Um, he uses his size. And again, he uses his athleticism, which, you know, which is why I, so many people were shocked to see him falling down in the draft. The guy averaged 7.2 yards of yak per reception. So this like if you have a weapon like that and he's also a good run blocker. I think it gives you the chance to, you know, he talked about playing like an extra offensive lineman. That gives you a chance, like you said, flex, fry, move to the slot, move guys around. And and that's, this is where I think Matt Canada, again, if he, if, you know, going back to him, if he wants to make a staple and show, Hey, I belong as an NFL offensive coordinator, if not just for the Steelers, but for other teams to look at him, this is a, a, I think an offense that's built to have that kind of flexibility, at least personnel wise, the athleticism, the strengths that they have across the board move guys around, put teams in unfavorable matchups and create an interesting balance of the run in the past that I think gives Kenny Pickett an advantage. Yeah. A three tight end set with these tight ends is not a give up offense, or is that a no, no chance of throwing the football offense? If Washington's able to show some of the things he did in college, you know, Zach Gentry has improved so much uh, from fifth round pick, former quarterback. He's put on a lot of weight and, I, I really am impressed with how far he's come Same. in his time. Yeah, I mean he's been he's been good, and obviously Fryermuth. There are some opportunities. Plus, he knows Broderick. Like he can line up next to Broderick, mm-hmm. and they've got some. They kind of have a feel for each other. I I, I do. I, I love this tight end group. I I think there's a lot of options. I don't even consider Hayward a tight end as much anymore. I think he's going to be right. that hybrid fullback. And I know the Steelers officially list him now as a tight end slash fullback. And uh, you could probably take tight end off the board for where he's going to be used most of the time. I think he's going to be like David Johnson, right? Like the, like yeah. the, like the H back that kind of moves around. And if they need a third guy to line up as like an extra tight end, sure. He can do that. But um, he's more of an H back. Now he's taking, you know, Derek Watson free agency. He could take the, the kind of the Derek Watt role in the offense. And personally, I think he'll, he'll also be a better receiving option for Kenny Pickett. We saw those plays he made last year. Yeah. You and I also saw the plays that he was making in college at the peach bowl against Pitt. Uh, there some, some legit catches that he was making. Yeah. He knows how to extend his body. He knows how to catch the ball away from his frame. Um, I think all of those things, uh, you know, lead into him being, you know, him being a weapon that, again, gives you flexibility. If you're Matt Canada, I got to ask this other question. This one's a very serious one, Jeff, so pay attention. If Darnell Washington makes a first down catch, what do Steelers fans yell? Is it Nell? Is it Heath? Or I the, the big the big one that I got 
Because because you know they could just yell Heath. I feel like I feel like they did that for for Jesse James and Muth because they were they were white guys and it was like, well, he's just a white guy. <laughs> I, I don't know if that'll handle for Darnell Washington. He's also six seven. He's a monster. But the best one that I got from I put a poll on my Twitter account at Carter Critiques. Most people joked around and picked Heath, but I listed list. I, I gave the people the option list their own. The best one I got on. from a lot of people was Warsh. Oh, that's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. Warsh. 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 If you're if you're from Pittsburgh, you know somebody with a Yinzer accent. When they say I'm took my I took my car to the car worse, you didn't you you were worshing them dishes. There's yeah. there's not wash, it's worse. And with Washington and worse, I kind of feel that man. If that if if that happens at Accrisher Stadium this year, I will die in the press box every time. I will crack up and never get enough of it. From this day forward, it's our campaign. Warsh. Warsh. That'll be the greatest thing ever. Like, we have gone from, from Heath to Muth. It started with Foo. I said it was Foo to Heath to Muth. And if Warsh becomes a thing at Akersher Stadium, from all you Yinzer fans, spread the word. We're spreading the Warsh campaign. We Hashtag Warsh campaign. We're getting it done here. I want, I want people saying this thing out here. I, I want the first time he's out in the public and somebody says, Hey, Darnell, you've been to Mount Washington. And he has no idea what the connection is because he thinks no. it's spelled differently than what his last name is. You know he's going to be confused. Yeah. You know, he's going to be like, what are you talking about? What, right? What's a Washington? Uh, that, that, is, that is also one of the funniest things when, when, when new, new players come to the locker room and the, uh, and the older players start teaching them about Yinzerism. Yinzer, Yinzer, and it's going to be like, what? How is that a What do they mean? That's I know Cam Hayward's going to get somebody with that this oh, this year. It's that, going to be great. That and and the fact that you know, like they're on a road and their GPS signal dies and they're completely <laughs> screwed. I mean, because <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things I love talking to rookies about is like the traffic trying to find the Steeler facility, especially if they decide to live out in the burbs, which most of them have realized just live in the Strip District. Like just make yeah. it easy on yourself. There or you live go. on the South Side. Just you know, be be close to the environment so you don't have to to get lost. Right, I agree entirely. So there, we we, we have we are officially saying here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, May second, two thousand twenty three. We are starting the worst campaign to get to get worst chance whenever Darnell Washington makes a catch during this season. We're gonna keep that up all year long. If it actually happens, I, we deserve our credit right here and now. Mark it down. Jim Hathorne. Absolutely. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. We appreciate your time. Let people know can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, you can fo- follow me on Twitter at jhathorn, H-A-T-H-H-O-R-N. I know it's an odd uh, spelling. You can also find me at 937thefan.com, covering a little bit of everything, but mainly your Pittsburgh Steelers. Absolutely. Jeff is the man. He is ev- everywhere in Pittsburgh. If you if you don't know him, you better get a life and, and get to knowing him. Thanks so much, Jeff, for joining us here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can also read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where I cover all things Pitt Athletics, post-gazette.com for that. And you can find me here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast Monday through Friday, as well as our bonus content on your favorite podcast podcasting app and especially on YouTube. Tomorrow, we've got a special episode. We're going to talk a lot more defense. We've talked a lot of offense today. 
and we brought in Arthur Motes. Don't cross the Motes. He's going to be a guest tomorrow. So stay tuned for the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Steelers podcast where we talk a lot of defense, asking him questions about Joey Porter Jr., Nick Herbig, Keanu Benton, and what the Steelers still need to do to make this defense an elite unit again. All that and more tomorrow on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Until then, I'm Chris Carter. We'll see you right back here on the same channel.